Thanks to those who are joining us online and for those who are in the room. I'm glad you're here. I have 40 minutes and I'm going to use it wisely. Today's passage is from Ezekiel 47. The praise team did a song, uh, a song this morning, one of the worship songs, and, and it said, God is up to something. Is there anybody in the house who believes that God is up to something today? You think God is up to something today? You believe God is up to something? <laughs> so we have Emery with us today. She is over in the big church. Um, and it's your first time, huh? We have you in the big church as well. And so we're glad to have the younger ones with us. And so please welcome them. And not just that, show them what it's like to worship, okay? When Samuel came to the temple, the scripture said that Samuel came in a season when the people had no knowledge of God because the previous generation had let down God. We're not going to be that people who let down God. We're going to show the next generation. So when... So when Paula looks around and she sees Mason and she sees all the little ones, she'll be able to say, I felt like I've done my job. Ezekiel 47. Now in order to get to Ezekiel 47, we have to start at Ezekiel chapter 1. And the challenge is that many people, probably in this room, has never read anything from the book of Ezekiel. The name itself sounds a little bit scary. It sounds like a turnoff. Who would want to read a book like that? Matt told me that Emery is reading Revelation. And this morning, as I thought about it, I'm saying, Revelation? She's a bold girl. Okay? But I love that. I love that. But in order to get to Ezekiel 47, we have to start with Ezekiel chapter 1. In Ezekiel chapter 1, we understand that the prophet Ezekiel was living in exile for 25 years. Earlier in the book, before 48, you realize that we learned that the temple in Jerusalem had been devastated. People were taken captive, and those who weren't taken captive, they were left, and they were living in the ruined city. Okay? The only reason this was happening because the people of God, their heart had turned from God. They were living idolatrous lifestyle and, 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 and social injustice was going on. And so there was judgment and destruction. At this point, Ezekiel had a series of visions. In his earlier vision, which is I think chapter 8 to 11, his earlier vision, he saw the glory of God leaving the temple. I don't know about you, but when we read that, as a matter of fact, we, we went through this book in Bible studies. Matt led us in Bible studies through this book. But the first couple of chapters, we saw the glory of God departing from the temple in Ezekiel's vision. I don't know about you, but if that's where the glory of God is supposed to dwell, it's a scary thing for the glory of God to be departing the temple. 
But in his final vision, vision, chapter 40 to 48, Ezekiel sees a new temple. He witnesses the glory of the Lord now returning to the temple. And this temple was in the center of the city. It was the place of impact. And then now it brings us down to the second to last chapter in chapter 47, verses 1 to 12. Visit what I'll cover. You see a miraculous flowing river from the temple that brings life to everything in its path. So let's read Ezekiel 47. It says, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple and I assume, not assume, I know it was an angelic guidance was guiding him, taking him on a journey for him to experience what was going on. So the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple and I saw water coming out from under the doorways or the threshold of the temple towards the east for the temple faced east. Then the water coming from down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar he then brought me out to the north gate and he led me around the side of the outer gate facing the east and the water was trickling from the south side the water was coming from everywhere now the thing about water there's nothing you could do to contain it once it gets loose okay Houses in its path are taken away. Verse 3. As the man went eastward with a measuring line. I don't know why he had a measuring line. But he had a measuring line in his hand. He measured off thousand cubits. And then about a one third of a mile. And, it, and I went out and he measured it. And it was ankle deep. Then he measured another thousand, and then it was knee deep. Then he measured another thousand, it was up to my waist, my loins. Then he took me another further step, and I went deeper and deeper, and then I realized it was so deep that I was out of control. The water was now in control. Then, verse 7, then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on the side of the river. And he said to me, he said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region and goes down to the Arabah, where it enters the Dead Sea. Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water becomes fresh, drinkable. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be a large number of fish because the water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything in it will live. Fishermen will stand on the seashore. I'm sure Seth would like that part. He caught the biggest fish the last time, so I'll, every opportunity I get, I'll mention it. There were fish of all kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and the marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds were growing on the banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will produce fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. The fruit will serve 
as food and their leaves for healing. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. I always say I could read your word and it ministers to me because your word in itself carries power. It's potent. There's nothing I need to do to it. But because there needs to be a word today, Lord God, I'm standing as your representative for your people. Speak your word, I pray, as quickly as possible and as effective as possible. In Jesus' name, amen. I have a few observations from this passage. And I want to go through those observations quickly so you could get it. My first observation, which is if I was at home and I'm sitting down, and I'm not doing this like my home Bible studies, but if I was sitting home and I look at this passage, the first thing I see in this passage in verse 1 is that there was a river. Did you notice that? Now, based on my studies, there is no reason that's the only city that is not sitting on a river. So guess what? There's no reason for any water to be coming out from inside the temple or from the threshold. It's not under there where a river is springing up. So theologically, this doesn't make any sense. For a river to be coming on from a city, the lone city that is not sitting on top of a river. So Ezekiel was here. And he saw this river. And just imagine it. He was standing there and he was looking and he saw this thing happening. Most interpreters believe that this was the gospel of Christ. This is representative of the gospel of Christ coming out from the temple. That's going everywhere. Or even the Holy Spirit at work, just like what was started on the day of Pentecost, started there with a handful of people, and then it spreads like wildfire everywhere God went. From John's vision in Revelation 21, verse 1, it says, The water of life is proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. That was for Emery. His throne was set up in the temple of Jerusalem. Thence it is flow over the entire earth. Okay? Jesus is the temple and also Jesus is the door. His side was pierced and from his side flowed. See, there's a lot of typology in what we're reading here. But I'm saying it. For us to see this man, he was standing there and you're seeing this river flowing from the temple. Well, water that turned into a river was flowing from the temple. According to John chapter 7, it says, On the last day, the great day of the feast or the festival, Jesus stood and said in a, to a loud call, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Who is the temple? That's the question. Now, I'm, there's a temple that he had in a vision, but, but today, who is the temple? Church? No? Me. I'm the temple. 
I don't know about you, but I'm the temple. Your answer was correct. Technically, you're correct. You are the temple. You're the carrier. So when Jesus said this in John chapter 7, he was saying something significant. When he was bringing back the analogy to this temple, he was talking about what exactly will happen to the life of a believer that is infused with the power of the Almighty God. So I have a few observations. As Ezekiel looked on and he saw the river, there are a few observations. And I think it's very similar, very similar from what I've seen here to the work of the Spirit's life in the person, of, in the life of a believer. Notice the power of the river. Okay? It says, it says the, from what I'm seeing, the river had no streams that were flowing into it. Leave that as it may. I mean, some of you may not understand the idea behind a river and all those kind of things. But did you know the Mississippi River, where it starts, the head of the river, Josh may know this. It's about 20 feet wide. Some say about 30, okay? And it goes on about three feet deep, okay? So that's the head of the river. But as the river flows down and it flows down and it flows down, the deepest part of that river is 200 feet deep. And 11 miles wide. 20 feet, 11 miles. You know why it's like that? Huh? Fed by streams. So that river gets its power because of all the streams that flow into it. You know the difference with this river we're talking about? Because it comes from the house of God, direct channel coming from the house of God, it doesn't need a feeder stream for it to have its force, its power, or its effectiveness. God doesn't need the world. I'll say that again. It may sound a bit harsh. God does not need the world or anything that is in it. And he certainly doesn't need me or you to get his work done. But he's invited us to become co-laborers in his work. And why he doesn't need us? Because it comes straight from the throne room of God, whatever he's doing. He doesn't need any feeder stream to come into him. Acts 2 verse 1 tells us, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly like a mighty rushing wind came from heaven and filled the house where they were sitting. Tongues happened and all those things happened. And they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. It's direct from the throne room of God. What's significant about this stream? It doesn't have any feeder streams coming into it. Why is that important? You know, sometimes we think that God gives secondhand blessings to some people. He doesn't. The children of Israel, they said to Moses, Hey Moses, you go see, you go talk to God and come back and bring his message. Because guess what? I'm kind of scared of that presence. And God is saying, 
The veil has been ripped. And the holies of holies is acceptable. It's actually, no, accessible to anybody in the house of God. To any of his kids. So why do you need to step back and ask somebody to give you a second-hand relationship with God? When God is crying out to have an, a direct relationship with you. The second thing I noticed about this river, that this river, it, it heals. Now, I've heard in Jamaica, they have what they call healing rivers. And I think here they have some healing hot springs too. But it's been said that when people go in some of those rivers, those hot springs, or that they get healed. This is not what this is, okay? This is not what this is. The river made the sea pure. Now, if you know anything about seawater, it's not something that you should take a good, nice glass of seawater and drink it. You know why? Huh? The salt? Now, it's believed that salt is one of the major killers of people in the U.S. Okay? Do you agree with me? Huh? So, 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 so this salt water, it's not some, now salt has its place because realize the salt is going to stay with the marshes because it's needed for the marshes. But it was needed for this side. So when it flows in, the thing that was dead, the Dead Sea, now life could live in it. Think about that. It's like the presence of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit shows up, that which was dead becomes alive. That's what he does. So we who were dead in our trespasses and sin, Ephesians 2.15 tells us, which you formerly had walked according to the course of the world, <laughs> according to the power and the influence of the world, following the man of disobedience. So we formerly live like that. But when the Holy Spirit comes in, but God, verse 4 says, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he has loved us even when we were dead in our sins, Christ made us alive. So why does this river remind me of the Holy Spirit? Because everywhere the Spirit touches, Every life that it gets into is every life that allows it to get in, allows him to get in, is never the same. I need to put my words properly because it's not every life that he touches, but every life that allows him. Notice also that the stream, it brings forth fruit and freshness. Everywhere the river flowed, something sprang up. So it is with the presence of the Holy Spirit. When he moves, his presence will manifest fruit and freshness. Think about Galatians chapter 5. What does it say? The fruit of the Spirit. Now it contrasts that with the fruit of the flesh. Okay? There is fruit of the flesh. There is fruit of the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit shows up and he's given access to take over your life and my life, he can't do anything else but produce fruit and freshness. So the things I've already said, when I look at the river, it reminds me of the Holy Spirit. 
And I picture Ezekiel standing there and he's looking at the river. And church, what if I tell you, there are many people who have been in the church for a long time. When I was in Jamaica, we had a lady, I thought she was a believer. I seriously thought she was a believer. I mean, she did everything. She was always around when we're going out on, uh, on fun days and all those things. She was, she was there. She was there. Sybil, she was there. Okay, we called her Sweetie. And I remember I went off to college. And when I went off to college, I was in college. I mean, so that was two, early 2000. I went to college. And no, actually, and then I moved to the U.S. And when I came to the U.S., one day out of the blue, I got a message from somebody. I don't remember if it was a call or it was something, or text or something on one of the social platforms. And she said, she, if I, could, I, could, I could pick up the excitement coming out from the other end of the phone. For remember, I thought this woman was saved. She would, every Sunday she was sitting in the back of the church, and she was involved in everything. But she was never saved. She reached out to tell me that she accepted Jesus Christ as her personal Lord and Savior. She was in her 60s at that point in time. Okay? So there are people who have been hanging around the house of God. And just imagine, Ezekiel was standing there and he saw what was happening. William, come and help me again. Your hands are good today? All right, come and help me again. You're Ezekiel today. You're Ezekiel. Okay? So they're standing and they're looking at it. See what was happening. And then something else happened. That's what some people in the church are doing. The Holy Spirit wants to take us on a journey and we refuse to move. Think about it. Notice the scriptures. Said the Spirit led him. And they stopped. He measured. And he looked down. It was ankle deep. Thank you. Ankle deep represents, for me, the act of salvation. Ankle deep represents the beginning of a relationship. Okay? You just got saved, so you now know Jesus. Dilbert, you just got married, so you now know your wife a little bit. A little bit. And even today, you're still learning more about your wife. So the journey begins with a relationship with the Lord at an ankle level. That's just putting your feet in the water. I was at Regina and Rob's pool the other day. Seth was jumping in. Daniel was jumping in. Katie was in there the entire time. But there were some people who were sitting on the shores. They were sitting on the shores. And they were dabbling their feet like this. And they were having the, they, they were having the most fun ever. Just dabbling the ankles in the water. There's some people in Christianity, they're comfortable just dabbling in the water. So as Ezekiel 
was brought along by the Holy, by the, by this angelic guide. He went to that first thousand. And it's ankle deep. There are some people who have made an act to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. They're in the water of salvation. They've started a relationship with the Lord. But they don't want to go any deeper. You may say, As if it, could that be for real? Yes, it's for real. It is for real. They miss the blessings of getting a deeper life in the Lord. Those people are in total and absolute control of their lives. Any minute they want to jump out and do whatever they want to do, they could do it. Because guess what? They're in absolute control of their lives. Salvation is good. That's why my topic today is deeper still. Because that's not enough. Then it says he went knee deep. Now I love knee deep. Because knee deep, when I think about knee deep, I think about people who come in bendedness in prayer. There's a level of commitment to God. Okay? And when the water moves, the water may move you a little bit. Have you ever, have you ever been standing in the ocean? And, and, the, and the waves come in and the water moves you a little bit because you're standing close to the shore and it's about knee deep and it moves you back and forth. <laughs> Hebrews 10.38 says, But my righteous will live by faith and I will take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. Many never reach even the shallow level of maturity that we call knee deep. However, the level of yieldedness to the Holy Spirit will never be beyond where you still have full control of your life. Seem quite spiritual. You do some of the right things, you make some of the right movements. Well, guess what? Push comes to shove. You want to run back out? Because you still have full control. Those who are this level know something about the power of the river because it pushes them back and forth. They can feel the power as, as it rushes by, pass and by, back and forth. But they aren't really affected by it at all. They are still standing on their own two feet. They are in control of their own lives. And they aren't being supported by the river. Church, I want you to understand what I'm saying. Southern Hills is going somewhere where it's going to require more than knee deep to experience where God is going. Okay? It's good. I'm telling you, this, is, this level is good. But it's not enough. There's a reason why the angelic guide took Ezekiel's hand and they went further into the river. So guess what? Where did they go next? Another thousand cubits. And he comes to the loin. Now many of the kids here may know what the loin represents. 
men may realize what the loin represents. Because the loin is that aspect of a person that actually holds their garment together. It's that place of strength and stability. Isn't that the case? Is that the case? I put on Amari's pants this morning, shorts to go to church. And Amari, I mean, it had elastic in the, in the waist. But it had some loops. And all he wanted was belt. Because if it has loops, it needs to have a belt. I said, Amari, there's elastic in it. It doesn't need any belt. But he needed a belt because for him, he doesn't want his pants to fall off. The loins is that place of strength. Now understand what's happening here. When you think about that loins, so it comes to waist deep. It says, this represents that place of strength. It speaks of spiritual power in our lives. When we have gone out into the deep, More of the river is seen, and less of me as a person is seen. What does John 3 verse 30 says? He must become greater. Is that it? He, does that sound like a process to you? He must become greater, and I must become lesser. And that's why the spiritual walk is a process of sanctification. It's a journey of transformation. It's not an overnight thing been serving God for five years and it just seemed like this thing is working out. Five years? Five years is no time. Talking to a group of managers at my place the other day and I said to them, when we talk about investment, I'm not thinking about return on investment in a year or three years or even 30 years. I'm talking about a return on investment in 30 million years. We want to experience eternal life. We want to experience that. But you know one of the things we're missing? Because of our microwave generation, five years is too long now. Five years when people used to go to college. The first level of college. Well, some five years because they took too long, but mostly four years. So he got to the waist deep. At the as deep as this level of spirituality growth is, it's still not deep, as deep as we can go. So where are you? I want you to realize what I'm recognizing as I look at this passage. When you look at the waist deep, the upper body is still left exposed. It's going to be harder to get out, okay? But you still have control of your body. You still have control. So then he said that the man took me another level. A level where now I was overcome by the water. I was in Regina's, went in Regina's pool. I went in and I, I mean, I, I, I can swim. So I, I mean, I like going in a pool. So I went in the pool and I jumped in from the deep end. And when I jumped in, I realized somebody said it was nine feet deep. So I started trying to see I could stay on top of the water, you know. And my hands started getting worn out. So I came out. Because when you go a deeper level, you don't have any control anymore. That's what we're scared of. You want to be able to jump in when you want and jump out when you want. 
I could not jump out if I wanted. I would have to swim my way to shore. So listen to what happened. It says that Ezekiel was taken to this level where he was in the supernatural flow of the river. Pastor Chris told us a few months ago, probably a year ago, he said, said he saw a stream coming down and it came down to the altars. And when he came down to the altars, he said that it just, it just overwhelmed everything. Call me crazy, but a few weeks ago, we, we couldn't use this building. We couldn't use this building because there was water in this building. Okay? Now, I'm not the kind of guy who tried to spiritualize everything. What's the likelihood? Okay? What's the likelihood? That Ezekiel here had the streams coming from the altars, going through the side, going, and streams going out. And that we had water flowing from our back under our altars and going that direction. I'm not the one to spiritualize everything. But could it be that that's a physical representation of a spiritual work that God is doing in Southern Hills? Could it be that God is saying, I am up to something. Could it be that God is saying, I am up to something, and it begins at the altar. And not just there. He said that before long, the community will recognize what's going on here because this is not of man, but it's of God. Could it be that God is saying that we, you have prayed, you have waited, and now it's time. Since I've been at Southern Hills, I've never, ever seen so many people step up to take a leadership role. I've been at Southern Hills since 2009, and I've never, ever seen so many people take their initiative to lead a charge in things. As I speak right now, I could, I could count on about, uh, probably about five individuals right now that are stepping up saying, guess what, I feel like God has put this in my spirit. What is going on? God is up to something. Tony, you have prayed, and I think it's here. I don't think. I know it's here. Let me bring it home. Ezekiel reached a place where the river was in control. What I notice when the river in control, a few things I notice. When you are this deep, you have gone beyond your own ability. Not just that. When you are this deep, praise team, can you come? You have ceased to support yourself. Not just that. When you have gone this deep, you have given yourself over to the river. Ezekiel was wet. He was overcome. Listen to what Ephesians 5 verse 18 says. Do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Galatians tells us that since we live by the Spirit, let us walk in step with the Holy Spirit. John 
1 John 2 verse 6 tells us, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Ankle deep is good. It's not enough. Deeper still. Knee deep is good. Do you understand the level of power that God has? It's not good enough. Deeper still. Loins, waist deep is good. Because he has more of you. A bigger part of your body is covered. It's still not good enough. Deeper still. You may notice something when I was reading. It says, in verse 3 to 4, it says that the man took me by the hand. Can you help me? It said the man took me by the hand. He took me by the hand and he led me. They that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the kids of God. Where are you today in your spiritual journey? Where do you best identify? Did you stop moving when you got saved? Did you dig deeper? Where are you today? Notice what happens when the river flows. God is not sending a river out there. If you are the temple, what he's doing is depositing his Holy Spirit in us. And we will become that stream that goes to the byways and the edges. Remember, on the day of Pentecost, they were baptized with the Holy Spirit and they went. And the gospel spread like wildfire. Where are you in your spiritual journey today? As I wind down, could you stand with me, please? Just how deep are you this morning? Are you still shallow? If you are, you still need to go deeper. When I jumped into Rob and Regina's pool, I realized that I had no sense of control at nine feet. I'm trying to use the most mundane examples to bring home a spiritual matter. Everywhere the river went, there was life. But you cannot do that unless you're overcome by the river. Close your eyes with me and evaluate your own spiritual life, your own spiritual journey. 40 years, 20 years, 5 years, there is still deeper to go. There is still deeper to go. Lord, take us deeper. You said, Father, that we're in a season where you're going to overflow us with your grace and your mercy. Where you're going to touch us in a way, Father, where we could bring the good news, Father. Wherever we go, it will flourish, Lord Jesus, because we are overcome by the Holy Spirit, because we're still going deeper.